Tuesday night football. Panthers are three and two. Braves? We got a lot to talk about on the Bearded Carcast, Dave. I know you don't agree with this, but it's Amazon Prime Day. I yes. think we should give it away for free. We should give it away. Yes, the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco and Dave Friedman is completely free. Thanks to just this week. Well, we're calling it Bearded Prime. <laughs> Bearded Prime Day, not 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 Prime Day. Uh, no, so it's funny. So you know, we're doing a lot of renovations on the house, and uh, we uh, decided just because of everything that we're doing that uh, we have to get another TV. So we've been we've been anxiously awaiting good four K. Four K. Yes. Haven't seen haven't seen anything that we couldn't get at the same price or cheaper uh, locally yet. Okay. So. All right. But so, I did a lot of research on this topic about three years ago and got my 4K and haven't been in the market since. <laughs> That's excellent. Excellent. I, I don't know. They don't have any broadcast gear on the Amazon Prime, I don't think. I haven't seen any no. of the things that you and no, I we would might need geek a, out about. We might need another camera for our social media <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bearded Carcast at Outlook.com if you can get us a, a good deal on... Uh, and by good deal, we mean free. Yeah, exactly. And high quality. Exactly. <laughs> We're not asking too much. Speaking of free, yeah. Tuesday night football. Yeah. An extra day of NFL football. I went into the day thinking these are two undefeated teams. This is a pretty compelling matchup. I'm excited to have another day of football. I was talking to a friend about a month ago who was asking about this team or that team. Are you excited to watch them this season? And I said, you know, there is a part of me that thinks the NFL is a gladiator sport. All this stuff has come out about CTE, and it's kind of morally not something I am excited about, but I don't have a drinking problem and I don't have a drug problem yeah. and I do have an NFL problem. I'm yeah. totally addicted to the NFL and I was excited for the game last night. And for the first time I can remember in a long time in a matchup between decent teams, I wasn't that into it. Yeah. Like I enjoyed the Sunday slate like always. Sunday night game was really good. Monday night game was really good. I watched last night's game, but it, it to me, now it wasn't a great game. It wasn't very compelling at the end. It wasn't all that well played, but I just I kind of felt for the first time in a long time that oversaturation. Now that I can understand. I would I would say this um, if you watched any of the game last or didn't watch any of the game last night but saw one play, how about when Derrick Henry just throttled Josh Norman? Yeah. I mean, well, that was just unbelievable. But The two interceptions by Malcolm Butler were pretty yeah. good, too. Oh, and Malcolm Butler, yeah, exclamation point on that. I, I And, you know, we talked about this last year. I I, I don't remember uh, if it was uh, episode 23 of season three <laughs> or maybe it was 15. But, um, my fear has been – that in fact, I joked with somebody about this, like when we, when it came out that it was going to be on Tuesday night. So it was, is this like the Mac game of the week? Yeah. Like, um, I agree with you. I, I think <clears throat> maybe I would have felt differently if the game went down to the wire and was like the Seahawks game on Monday night. That was obviously a thrilling finish. This wasn't that. It was. It was. It was not competitive. It was two competitive teams. Although the team that played well was the team that had more time off. And sometimes you think, well, maybe if you've had that much time off and all that adversity, that they wouldn't look as sharp. But, uh, but you know, you know, we've we've kind of had some questions about the Bills. You know, good, not great team. Um, I I don't know. I think you need that. I think one of the things that is good about the NFL is that 
it's not every night like baseball, right? You have that, you can build up anticipation. I mean, if you look at how the media structure, and even though I don't think um, teams want media as much during the week, they'd rather do their own stuff. But the formula that built the NFL was you played a game on Sunday, you had a coach talk on Monday, so you, you were on the, the Monday night news cycle on the local news and in the newspaper. Um, for Tuesday morning, that report that you did on Monday, like if you went as a reporter and you talked to Ron Rivera, Tuesday morning there's an article in the newspaper about your team. Wednesday uh, is your practice day, so there might be a lead-up story going into Wednesday morning. Then Thursday morning you're going to get the game story or get the, the story from – so all week there's this buildup to the game on Sunday, and it's it's a, the you know the the old uh, ketchup commercial anticipation. I yeah. agree with you. I it's funny though because we know it's all about dollars and cents, and because of the coronavirus, they've had to adjust their schedule. It's not like they set out to play a Tuesday Correct. game. Yeah, this wasn't. But getting to play multiple Monday night games some weeks and a Tuesday night game and rescheduling things. It's kind of given the NFL an opportunity to see what sticks and to see what's popular. And there's no doubt that the ratings for last night's game to smaller markets are going to dominate any other junk that other channels had on like they're, they're gonna have i don't know what the magic number is five million or 10 million or 15 million you viewers. were watching celebrity family feud bingo exactly <laughs> i mean the alternatives are yeah, i mean cbs now and a lot of it has to do with hollywood not being able to produce shows because of covid but cbs is now showing a movie on sunday night yeah. like a 10 or a 20 or a 30 year old it brought who, me back to when i was like 15 <laughs> or 14 right 13. so like they're not even really trying to compete against the NFL and I mean t tonight on CBS they are showing the amazing race which was filmed in 2017 or 2018 they they haven't wanted to play it because it's getting declining ratings over the years but it's all they've got in the shelf so they're just gonna freaking put it on and they've promoted it heavily I mean the, the TV stations are in tough times but the NFL is the golden goose that keeps on giving I, however, though, thought there could never be enough of it. I would just watch it if it was on all the time. And last night when two pretty decent teams played and I watched but wasn't excited about it, it made me wonder. And I'm beginning to think that the way to go for the money grab is the two Monday night games yes. and not the Tuesday yes, yes. game. That's problematic, though, too. Now, I really like Tuesday's no NFL, Wednesday's no NFL, Friday's no NFL, Saturday's no NFL. So you've got some quote-unquote time off. But the issue with the doubleheader Monday is if they're going to be two separate windows, there's not going to be a crossover. The first game has to start at, I don't know, 5 o'clock-ish Eastern time? Or I, I, no, yeah. you, could do, you could do seven... You could do one and four, right? So you could do 7 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock on the West Coast. Right. So the first game starts at 4 p.m. Pacific. You're losing a lot of viewership from the West Coast that is still at work. Same thing with the back end of the late game. That game is over at midnight or after on the East Coast. There are a lot of people turning off their televisions. It's too late. It's hard to get those two games in and maximize audience. I would say this, though, and I think that's a fair argument, but 
if you look at other sports, particularly on the East Coast, games do start at 7 o'clock. So I don't think that's, that's... But you're asking for the second game to start at 9 or 10 o'clock. Correct. So, but I think it's, you're, you're more targeting, so this is more targeting population as opposed to wide-ranging, right? And I understand what you're saying. I think this maybe the better argument is instead of selling a 60-second commercial for $100, you could, uh, you're doing two 30-second commercials for, you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- there's no doubt it's a cash cow. I just don't think, I think the NFL can make more money playing one single game at 8 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday night than they can a second Monday night game. But for me as the viewer, I think I'm a lot more likely to watch my slate on Sunday, my two on Monday, and get a break. Now, this is more of a rhetorical question, right? But, I mean, let's say if you're doing like a Texans titans game that's only going to be uh shown basically in tennessee and in houston on a sunday on a sunday yep you know you put that game on a monday night and you have new england and green bay as the second game you know i I don't know i mean i think i I think there's arguments you could make for both because the national dollars are going to be different for the for the you're still going to get the regional dollars because of it's that still that region, but then more eyeballs nationally would be on that game. Yeah, you're also going to lose a little bit of revenue on Sunday because you're taking a game away from Sunday and putting That's, it yeah. in an individual window. But it'll be very interesting to see how but all you, of that but you goes. But if you do two different networks... Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. No question. I mean, NBC would do anything to get back in. Or, I'm sorry, uh, ABC. ABC would do anything well, they, to get back into back it. In right. Plus, there's no doubt that Turner would have interest. I mean, they, everyone wants a piece of the NFL. It's a cash cow. Yeah. So, they, there is interest. But at what point do the fans back off a little bit? We've talked a lot about baseball is a regional sport. The NFL is not, but if every game is on, if you've got a game on Monday and a game on Tuesday, games on Sunday and games on Thursday, at what point is it no longer must-see TV? Bearded Carcast. I am Mike Pacheco. Dave Friedman at Bearded Carcast is how you can follow along at Twitter. Of course, you know you're probably already listening right now on Apple or on SoundCloud. But if you want to check us out on Stitcher, always, if you are listening to us, even for the first time, subscribe. Leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Indeed, we would. We talked after week one about some quarterbacks, mainly Tom Brady and Cam Newton and Teddy Bridgewater and Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's push that discussion forward now over a month. And you look at the quarterbacks in the NFL. It is hard for me to watch Drew Brees and not think of Tom Brady. He is not the same guy. Now, he's been missing his top target almost the entire year. But the Saints don't look right. Do I think they're going to win the division? Yes, I think they're going to win the division by several games probably, but it still doesn't look as fluid. I mean, 
they came within a, a missed field goal of losing. They should have lost yeah. at home to what I consider kind of a middling Chargers team. Right. And they lost at home to Green Bay. Which, But this is interesting. And we actually I, – I was talking with the Panthers uh, sideline reporter, Kristen Balboni, about this. Because um, I wanted to – I mean, I think it's an obvious conclusion to make. But I, this is a person who's been – actually been in games and is uh, – we joke about she's the moat reporter because she sits on the first row. But how much uh, – I mean, how much has not having fans – takes away the the home home field advantage and she yep. said absolutely i mean you can see i mean you can you know you can hear you know you can you can hear things that you normally would not hear as a visiting team yep and so it levels the playing field i mean the the guys in vegas the the analytics people generally over a long period of time have said home field is worth about three points and they believe now it's worth somewhere between one and a half and two points because there is value to sleeping in your own bed. There's value to knowing the field and the other team still has to fly and sleep in a hotel and all of those sort of things. So there is a difference with and without fans. I don't know that it is the huge difference that some people think it might be. But when you look at the quarterback play right now, after a week or so, I think we concluded that Cam Newton was probably the best of that group. It feels like forever since we've seen Cam Newton. He yeah. missed the one game. Seems like forever since I've seen you. Yeah, oh, no kidding. <laughs> uh, th- then there was the, the bye because of COVID for the Patriots this week. But I, I am still very skeptical of Tom Brady. Jimmy Garoppolo looks horrible. He just looks terrible. I, I mean, the the fact they lost to Miami, I wouldn't say it was incredibly surprising to me. I'm a, a closet Dolphins fan. I've watched their games for a long, long time. The Dolphins have played well this year. When Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw interceptions, they're a very professional team. They're not abundantly talented, but they walked into a same San Francisco team that barely beat Philadelphia and, you know, played bad teams, the Jets and the Giants, early on. Jimmy Garoppolo just doesn't look good. And this is what I think is interesting. Of those of the names we just mentioned, the guy that's off to the best start is Teddy Bridgewater. It's not even close. Yeah, it's not even de- debatable. I think you're seeing why the Panthers uh, wanted to invest in him. I mean, he's he's a guy that can be the the you know he went from being maybe the bridge quarterback to maybe he's the quarterback for the next four or five years. I mean, he's still young enough. He makes good decisions. Um, he's not going to excite you necessarily with a long vertical game down the field, but uh, he's very efficient. Makes good decisions. And, and he's 27 years old. Yeah. I mean, this isn't running back where Le'Veon Bell's 28 and he's done. He's 27 at a position where there are multiple guys playing that are 40. He overcame a major injury, but if you believe that's in the past, he saved up his arm during yeah, not playing right, for right. several years. I mean, there's no reason that Teddy Bridgewater can't be a productive, maybe an above-average NFL quarterback. That being said, the guys that usually win the Super Bowl are top five or top ten quarterbacks. I, I don't think it's realistic to believe he's any of those things or is going to become them. But is he a, a solid guy that you can win games with if your defense is good, if your running game is good? I don't see any reason that that is not the case. And if I had told you, uh, or if we had posed this question going into week one, of, of all those teams, who would be, now granted, Brady and Bridgewater are tied for first, right? But if I told you Carolina was going to be 3-2, and two, 
you would have laughed at me. If I told you three, they were going to be three and two without Christian McCaffrey, you would have sent me to the doctor to check on me. So why? What is it about the offense that works? A couple things, I think. One is, you know, Bridgewater, they probably could have won or should have won the, the Raiders game. Um, I think he does make good decisions. I think the fact that Mike Davis has um, really stepped up in the absence of Christian McCaffrey. Robbie Anderson, I think, has made a bigger impact. Robbie Anderson is an adult. He is a professional football player. No one is going to watch him go, oh, my God, we need six of them. He's just a guy that goes out and plays his role, doesn't try to do too much, runs good routes, is dependable and professional. You can win with guys like that. Well, and the other thing, Dave, is, you, okay, we'll shut down DJ Moore. Okay, well, we still can throw the ball to Robbie Anderson. Okay, we're going to shut down Robbie Anderson. Okay, well, we can still throw to Samuel. Well, we're going to try and uh, maybe shut down the running game. Okay, well, we still have Mike Davis who's going to plow through people. Without McCaffrey, they have a group of no-names, but it's a group of no-names that, like, all understand what they're trying to do and don't try to overdo it. There's no one pumping their chest and saying, I need so many touches a yeah. game, or I was open on that play and moping. Like they just all go out and perform their job. Well, and another thing I've noticed, and it's funny, I didn't get to, I didn't, we just didn't have the time to to work it in on on Sunday for the Panthers post game show. And maybe this is Matt Rule coming from college um, in a positive way, right? But it reminded me a little bit of what Pat Kelsey does at Winthrop um, in that in practice. You know, they rotate a bunch of different guys in so that, you know, when you're in different situations late in the game, it's not going to be strange for you to be playing with a certain guy. And in games, Matt Rule has been able to do that. He's been able to work in. Some of it's been because of injury, but work in guys, get guys reps, particularly on the defensive line. They like to rotate a bunch of guys on the defensive line. So I think by building up that depth, you, you, you're not really seeing as wide a gulf between the, the, the number twos as you are the number ones. I mean, still the number ones are the number ones, but the, what, you, you know – I don't know if wins against replacement can work in football, but, I mean, if you had some sort of, like, individual play war, it's not as bad as maybe you might see on other teams. Turn back the clock to, I don't know, 2016 or something, and we've got uh, Teddy Bridgewater matching up with Nick Foles this week. (laughs) Right? I mean, at one time before Bridgewater's injury and before Foles' kind of circuitous um, career – these would have been like two guys people were pumped up and excited about. I mean, you know, no one's going to look at Nick Foles and jump up and down. I do think he's significantly better than Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. But are we sure we wouldn't rather Nick Foles right now than Carson Wentz? Oh, totally. I mean, Carson Wentz looks lost. And, you know, maybe his team has gotten old and the line isn't very good and yada, yada, yada. But, like, there are a lot of those guys right now that Garoppolo and the Wentz that they were hot items. Mm -hmm. And now they look like it's not going right. Is that an overreaction? I mean, we've seen five games. I feel like... Carson Wentz and Tom Brady are the same. They are able to have really good games, and they make bad decisions and throw pick sixes. Obviously, the Bucks are three and two, which is better than the pathetic Eagles. But like, there are Drew Brees the same way. He's good enough to win games. He's good enough to make big throws. Maybe Michael Thomas comes back, but like, he makes mistakes mm-hmm. too. It, there aren't a lot of guys out there aside from the Patrick Mahomes, the Russell Wilson, the Aaron Rodgers, that it, 
I think at one point, and even you and I talked about it last week about who would you take versus the field? Would you take the Chiefs? Would you take the Chiefs and the Ravens? My realization this week has been the middle is a lot larger than mm-hmm. I thought it was. You see Kansas City lose to the Chargers, and that's kind of the second time they've looked very so-so, ho-hum. I still think they're the best team in the league. I'd probably still take them and the Ravens over the field, but that vast middle feels larger and larger. So where do we stand in the NFC South? You've got a Falcons team in complete disarray who's fired everyone. You've got Brady and the Buccaneers competitive. You've got sort of a disappointing Saints team that I still think is in the driver's seat. And the Panthers, that to me, are playing with house money. There were no real expectations, and, and they've played better than expected. You know, and we, we talked about that on Sunday. So where does this go? You know, how does the narrative change on Carolina? And, and Eugene Robinson made a good point. He's like, well, you know, it's still, like, let's not go too overboard with the success. I mean, enjoy it, appreciate it. Uh, you know, they still have I – mean, this is a big test for them coming up this week with Chicago coming in. Um, but when you look at all those other teams, you know, Tampa Bay, probably – I mean, we probably thought Tampa Bay would be about where they are. Um, maybe the bigger surprise is that um, New Orleans is at 3-2. and two. And not looking good. They're 3-2, yeah. and two, but the one game they played against a really good team, Green Bay, they got flat-out beaten. The loss against the Chargers was like – Oh, I'm sorry. The the win against the Chargers was like they got lucky and didn't play real well. And all year it's penalties and missed mm. tackles, and they just they don't look right. But there there are eleven more games to come. But but yeah, so a lot of football left to be so far. It hasn't felt good. Well, what about Dallas at two and three leading the division? I mean that division's been a well, it's been a train wreck for years. It's horrible. The division is horrible. I mean, now they go forward with Andy Dalton, and they still look like the best team, but their defense is not good. They've had major, major injuries, not just Dak Prescott, but on the offensive line, which was supposed to be so unbelievably good. Any team in that division that shows a pulse is going to go to the playoffs. Well, who's going to get a win first, the Giants or the Falcons? Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> that was a the, rhetorical. the giant, both teams have been close and blown opportunities. It's 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 ugly. There's a lot of ugly. I said that there's a vast middle, but yeah. if you were to say what are the three largest categories, the vast middle is the biggest, and the pathetic, awful teams is the second biggest. Who's actually good is a pretty small category of teams. And, and the elite teams right now, I mean, you would have to, I mean, Seattle obviously is in that. I mean, Green Bay, do you put Green Bay there? I mean, Seattle and Green Bay, sure, they're obvious, yeah. but I'm not willing to put Tennessee there yet, are you? I'd need to see more, but I mean, they looked like, they, they did look dominant last night. I mean, they're... If you can establish that run game with Their Derek DNA, Henry. the way they win, it's just not going to inspire anyone. That being said... They have a organizational philosophy and a system and a program, and they play to it. And it's kind of throwback football. It's the running game, the offensive line, the time of possession. They play pretty good defense. They're still missing a couple of guys on that defense that are going to come back. So 
I don't think anyone the whole year is going to jump up and down about Tennessee, Mm -hmm. but that's the same team that won a couple playoff games that no one expected them to win last year. I think because they're in a small market and they don't have marquee names, people sleep on a little bit. I mean, I'm not going to say I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to win playoff games, but they've been competitive, better than competitive. They've been good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Our picks of the week this week. Yeah. I, I don't know how you are going to get a read on the Patriots. It has been very surprising to me, both in college football and the NFL, that teams that have missed time because of COVID have not suffered huge ramifications. The Patriots are laying nine and a half at home against Denver. I, I think it's a difficult pick to make just because. You don't know who's going to be playing for the Patriots, and it's, I mean, what do you think? Do you have an opinion? I, I think it's almost impossible to pick that game because how do you know, like, you don't know, as we speak today, we don't know on Sunday if Cam Newton is going to be playing. We I have s- to imagine at this point he's going to. I, you would think, but, uh, you know, I mean, he didn't practice. I, I don't. I didn't see about yesterday, uh, but he didn't practice on Sunday. And they've had the facility closed like, and opened and yeah, closed I mean, again. I, it's I, – I don't know. I, I, I mean, and and you can't do this, right, because you got to make a decision. But um, and what I'm trying to say is I, you can't say, well, if Cam Newton plays, I take the Patriots. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't play – you know, you know, Jared Stidham looked okay. I mean, he there was some things that said, okay, I could see why they okay, and then you, okay, okay, now why I know he's not starting. I that spread tells me that Cam Newton's playing. Yeah, and I, I my guess is that Cam Newton's playing. I wonder though if the Patriots' offense these days isn't much more the. Tennessee offense. We're going to run the ball. We're going to win on defense. We're going to throw short, safe passes. We're going to have Cam run and run read option. They've got now a variety of capable, if not spectacular backs. I don't know that them laying more than a touchdown is ever a good idea anymore because they're happy to win 17-13. Yeah, and that style of play is really how that offense goes. Um, And Cam Newton just changes. You have to you have to count for him. You cannot just uh, you, you can't ignore him. You know. And look, the big question with them moving forward is is the same question going into the season. Like how long how how durable can he be through a full? Now he's only gonna at minimum now he's playing 15 games because he missed. Um, you know he he obviously missed the last game. But uh, I don't know that game. I I don't know. I can't I can't give a, a a good read on that game right now. Now if he's playing, I think they win. The game I like the best is Chicago against Carolina. Carolina. I I was really impressed with Chicago in the win against Tampa Bay. And I think Tampa Bay is as good or better than Carolina. Chicago is one of the very few teams in the league playing really good defense. Mm -hmm. And it's not one player because everyone focuses in on Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Eddie Jackson is terrific. Their corners are good. Their linebackers are solid. I know their offense isn't sexy or exciting, but they do too. Yeah. And I don't think the Panthers' defense is good enough that the Bears are going to score 
only 10 or 17 points. I think if the Bears score 20 points, their defense is good enough to hold down Carolina, and I'm getting a field goal. I'm happy to take a field goal with the team that I think's better. Well, and the thing to watch in this game is going to be the Panthers' offensive line against the defensive line for the Bears because in back-to-back games, the Panthers have not allowed a sack. So Teddy Bridgewater, you know, you asked me why is Carolina 3-2? Well, part of it is because Teddy Bridgewater has been able to stand up and, and has had time. And, and now if they're able to do that against a really talented defensive front for Chicago, then, you know, Carolina's got a, you know, a good chance in this game. But if they – if it's like the five-sack uh, five game that they had in week two, uh, then the, the, the Bears are going to win. Mike Pacheco, I'm Dave Friedman. This is the Bearded Carcast. Thanks for joining us. Be a part of the show. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Follow us on social media. Listen and leave a review on Apple and on Stitcher. Baseball. Last week, each of the last two weeks, we've talked about the baseball playoffs. The A's were thankfully able to win a series. I was very appreciative of that since that's something they basically never do. And then they played the Dodgers and I'm sorry, they played the Astros, Astros. at Dodger stadium, at Dodger stadium yeah. and it didn't go well. And obviously I am a little upset about my favorite team losing. There, there's an inherent bias right. there, but it was, well, the, they've had a bigger loss since then they have. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I was watching game two. The A's took the lead in all three games and lost all three games and I wasn't enjoying it. They were ahead 3 nothing, and I wasn't enjoying it. And maybe it's because it was a day game at Dodger Stadium, but the way the game was played, everyone throws 95 miles per hour, and the runs are only scored on home runs. And it feels like the shootout in soccer or the NHL. That is not baseball in the way that we grew up or our fathers watched or our grandfathers watched. It's a different sport. I don't begrudge that it's a different sport. And we're going to talk about Billy Bean here in a minute, perhaps moving on from the A's after 30 terrific years. He was a big part of it. The analytics revolution says you just want to try to throw the ball by guys. And the defense is so much better because they're in a shift and they're they're higher IQ. They know where to be. But my God, I don't think the product is all that uh, enjoyable when every pitch is either a zero or a 100. It's either a swing and a miss or a home run. There's not a lot of defense. I think I read this. I could have seen this wrong on social media this morning. Has there been one sacrifice bunt attempted in the entire baseball playoffs? Ooh. Not that I can recall. That's what I read. I read there was a sacrifice bunt attempted in one yeah. playoff game thus far. Hey, I, I'm Mr. Moneyball. Like, yeah. I don't think sacrifice bunting is a smart, intelligent strategy, but I like the variance of teams. I mean, have you seen anyone try to steal a base? Well, isn't this? I, and I think this is interesting. And we didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't talk about this before, but it's statistics, the numbers. Partially is what built baseball uh, and made it enjoyable. And it came at a time where um, 
you couldn't watch a lot of games, you know, back in the 20s and 30s, you know, when baseball was really growing and 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 the net, you know, pastime, 30s, 40s, maybe even the 50s. You know, you listened, you would listen to a game on the radio. You might get a national game on the radio, but you basically listened to your team every night. Um, in the 60s, you had a transistor radio. But by and large, the way you learned about the rest of the league was by reading box scores in your daily newspaper. And so baseball became a very numbers-oriented game. Now, it was, as we fi- have found out now, a, a very minute number of numbers, right? But the numbers were important, right? Uh, ERA, batting average, um, you know, a little bit later, you know, whip, whip came into it. But basically, it was, you know, the stuff that you could easily compute. You know, in the last decade with computers um, – and the more sophistication, guys like Billy Bean, there are now people that are passing up jobs at Facebook and Google and Silicon Valley to work for baseball teams. So it, it is interesting that while numbers uh, helped build baseball, maybe it is the over uh, analyzation of numbers, analytics, that uh, I don't want to say it's hurting baseball. Well, is it just us? I mean, like, like. No, it's I, funny because I was talking to my neighbor about this, and it's funny. We were talking about this yesterday because he was asking me. He's like, I, you know, I haven't really watched much of the playoffs. He's, I just feel like everything is like a strikeout or a home run. And I said, Yeah, well, you're not. You're, you're right. It is. I mean, when we were not that long ago, 10, 15 years ago, if a guy threw ninety miles per hour, he could he could get up there. If he could throw ninety five miles per hour. He's one of the fastest throwers mm-hmm. in baseball. I think the Rays have four guys in the bullpen that hit 97. Yeah, and and you know and look at the White Sox. I mean, they have guys that are high 90s, and they they had the young kid who's 100 throws 100. Right. I mean, but if you throw that fast, it is easier on the rare occasion that you make contact that the ball goes over the fence. The fence. Right. I, I think we touched on this briefly. Last week, maybe we did. Maybe I was talking to someone else about it. It seems to me, and this is like the old man argument. This is the same as the golf. Like you no longer have to hit fairways in golf. Right. You just hit the ball as far as you can, and you're so close to the hole, you're able to rally out of whatever circumstance you find yourself. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau hit what like twelve fairways and won mm-hmm. the last major. Yeah. That's crazy. In baseball, it seems to me the fences need to move back 25 to 50 feet. No, that's not going to happen. But, like, again, it was day and it was Dodger Stadium. But the A's set a franchise record for home runs in a playoff series in four games. But they already had set it in three games. This is a franchise that has played seven-game World Series and ALCSs. And, like, it's just completely different. And that's why... The Braves are such a great story because aside from the crazy 9-8 game yesterday, their pitching has been phenomenal. Now, and they're not doing, I mean, maybe to a degree, but not really. The Padres used nine pitchers in a nine-inning game last week. I mean, 17 pitchers pitching in a baseball game has become like normal, Normal. which is Again, a huge change. I guess it doesn't have to be a bad thing, but it, it's so different than what we're used to. And and again, maybe but I think about this, Dave. I mean, up until maybe mid '80s, um, 1985, 1986, maybe close to 1990, pitches were expected. A starting pitcher was expected to throw eight, nine innings a game, or. If you threw five good innings and threw 80 pitches, no one would even question 
Hey, are they warming anyone up? Is he going yeah. back out for the sixth inning? Well, what do you mean? Of course he is. Now you're two times through the order, and you you got to be special to go back out there. Well, and, the, and this is but this is the issue with the with the the hundred mile an hour guys. They're good for a shorter. I mean, it's like a rocket, right? I mean, they can they can burn for for. They can burn hot, but they can't burn for but long. But when your bullpen is filled with dudes that can throw right. the ball close to 100 miles right, per but, hour, right? But the but the way, and the way the dip game has changed is you know you don't have pitchers to contact anymore, and you, you're losing the, the guys that can give you four innings. He's not going to break a pane of glass, but he'll give you four innings every game. I just in relief. I I feel so old and out of touch when I say. I just don't really like the product. But I think those. I, mean, I think what would be interesting. And I don't know if Baseball Reference can do this, but it would be interesting to go back and look at: Are we at the same number of pitches thrown by both teams per game now as we were ten years ago, as we were twenty years? And my, my the point I'm getting at is: Were guys swinging early? Like now, it seems like like if you watch a Yankees Red Sox game, every count goes three two, right? So that's going to extend a game. Yep. So. Um, and, and I think uh, I've always said a, a two to one, a three to one baseball game is more entertaining to me than a fifteen to one game. Um, and I think putting the ball in play, you know, twenty one. If you see Roger Clemens strike out twenty guys, that's exciting because it's something that doesn't happen all the time. But you're not going to see that every day. But I think watching baseball and and strategy, uh, you know, you're making plays in the second and third, or you're making decisions second, third inning, and you're thinking about how's that going to affect me in the sixth. Everyone's inning. strategy is Earl Weaver, and but they're not playing for the three-run home run; they're playing yeah. for the solo home yeah, run. Right. Three of yeah, them. Yeah. Like, like I, I, again, I, I don't know. Like Mike Brasso and the Rays are a tremendous mm. story. The Braves taking the first two from the Dodgers are a tremendous story. Yeah. I am watching. I will continue to watch, but. The rally, what you learned when you played a little league, get on, move a runner over, yeah. hit to the right side. It just feels like it's a completely foreign game. Yeah. No, that's. I think that's right. And I think, guys, and I think what's unfortunate is I don't know, when you don't do the circumstances all the time, do you start losing a sense of the game, you know, and how to play the game, right? I don't I'm, I, I, The game evolves. Yeah. It's a, it's a different game, like it or not. Real quick on Billy Bean. A's have been in the playoffs 11 times in the last 21 years with a horrible ballpark, no resources, and very few fans. If he wants to move on, by God, he can pursue whatever it is he wants to pursue. It's an interesting venture. He He's very involved in European soccer, yada, yada, yada. We're here at the Winthrop Coliseum. This is the first time we've recorded in person in a very, very long time. Probably since we were in this building last time. Well, yeah. well uh, for basketball. The winter basketball team is starting practice in about 10 minutes. It's almost noon on Wednesday, uh, October 14th. So we're about six weeks away from the start of college basketball season. I am excited. I think that Winthrop is significantly better than their other Big South brethren this year. That's not to say that there aren't going to be injuries or suspensions. Other teams may have recruited brilliantly, but from a expectation standpoint, I think Winthrop should have 
two players on the first team all-conference, and I think they have the deepest team, and I think they have a great opportunity to go to the NCAA tournament, which they qualified for last year. Of course, there was no tournament. That's great. We'll have plenty of time over the next several months to talk about college basketball and specifically Winthrop. But the big story in college basketball over the last week or so has been Greg Marshall, Mm -hmm. who was here for nine years and went to seven NCAA tournaments and now is in hot water at Wichita. I don't think you and I have anything to say in terms of we aren't in Wichita. We haven't been to Wichita. We haven't seen one of his practices in person in a decade. We don't know what did or did not happen. I think Dana O'Neill is a really good reporter. The stuff in The Athletic is believable. Does that mean it is true? No, it doesn't. But what is reported has been reported. Do you have any general feelings? I, I only have one really strong feeling, and it is Greg Marshall is tough, and Greg Marshall got an enormous amount out of his players. I think he is a brilliant basketball coach. I understand that some of the methods that are discussed in those articles may be uh, cross a line. I don't know which of those are or are not true. But the stuff about being racial, the stuff about being derogatory in a really nasty way, uh, I don't believe that stuff. No, I don't think that. I agree with everything you said. The only thing I would add to you what you said is all we can really comment on is what we know right and i never saw him be racial towards anybody like say and i never saw him physical with anybody now I, right. we, it doesn't mean it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it hasn't taken I'm place just, right. it's what but, you and i personally all, have witnessed all we can say is what we've witnessed we don't know i mean it's, is it possible absolutely i don't know we weren't there um so you know i think that but i think the investigation um is going to you know if, if I assume it's going to be conducted independently, um, you know, that'll, you know, we'll have to see what, what the results come from that. But other than that, there's really not much we can say about it. Coaching is very different today than it was when he was here or when we were kids. I mean, what you were allowed to do, what was tolerable at one time, no longer is. I don't know how that pertains to Greg Marshall per se, but I have no doubt that the Little League coach you had behaved differently than the Little League coach your son has. In a normal situation, Dave, I would 100% agree with that. But my dad was my Little League coach, and he was as supportive as the guys that oh, coached my son. There you go. My dad wasn't uh, My dad wasn't a, a screamer holler. Never. I mean, never was physical with us. I mean, my dad... Uh, I can count on the, the number of times I saw my dad get angry with us. So my dad was kind of an outlier, I guess, in, the, in that respect. But, um, but from a verbal, uh, I mean, I remember some high school coaches, college coaches when I was in school. Uh, I don't know that some of the stuff that, that they would have said would be allowable today. Yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of that is the case. I mean, Bobby Knight would be unemployed. I mean, well, he is unemployed, but I mean, right? He, if a, a thirty-year-old Bobby Knight would not be employable, right? That, that's exactly right. No, and no, that doesn't a 30-year-old mean Bobby Knight today might be different than 30-year-old Bobby Knight. 100%. And it doesn't mean that Bobby Knight is not one of the great coaches of all time, but the methods that he went about just in this society. Well, even just think about teaching. And real quick, I'll, I'll mention this. My parents were in elementary school at a Catholic school in Somerville, Mass., in like the 30s and 40s. Nuns. 
they would talk about getting hit with a ruler if they got something wrong or right. behaviorally. You right. Know, you, just, you know, so it, uh, we've evolved as a society in that sense too. Absolutely. All right. That was fun. Yeah. Let's go watch practice. Let's go watch practice. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe. It's real easy. Just hit the subscribe button on wherever you're listening. This is the Bearded Carcast. Dave Friedman. I am Mike Pacheco. You can reach us, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. Maybe we'll look and see how many offers we have from overseas uh, uh, royalty that want to put their money in the United States and give us a big cut, cut of it. Good time to invest.